At this point, you should be on the frame with a film strip title that says Oral Hygiene. Welcome to Oral Hygiene. This is the podcast where we talk about educational films, experimental caught films, and interesting documentaries. Uh, this is Matt. Today we're going to be looking at a very interesting one of those documentaries and, and a little less vintage than we usually look at. This is a, a pretty new release. It's called uh, Twilight of the Archons, and we have the the maker of that film here today. It's uh, Robert Bonomo. Hello. <laughs> Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me on. And, and I got asked, did I get the N and M right? Because I've, I've been like, keep flipping those. Yeah, so. that's perfect. Okay. Good. I, 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 had, Italian I had some like social anxiety over that. That's why I podcast to get over my uh, social anxiety. But <laughs> um, li like I mentioned, if you could just give like a quick like sort of TV guide synopsis of uh, this film. Yeah, I try and take a, a real broad picture of the current paradigm from a political and economic sense, and then also from a spiritual point. And I, in the end, what I attempt to do is bring it all together. Um, so I just want to look at a little bit of sort of the technocratic view, worldview, say from Silicon Valley, a little bit look at money in modern economics. And then I bring in I mean, I, I can just come out of the closet and say it's kind of an invite, uh, non-dual sort of spiritual element. And then I try, I try and bring them all together. At least that's what I try to do. Yeah, and, and usually I, I go straight off. I, I try to be a good host, ask, ask a question and um, let you go for a while. But I actually want to go on, not, not a rant ex exactly, but I want to talk about how I invited you to this one because it's, it's kind of weird. <laughs> I was curious. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. Because this will be a good way to start off then. I, I was actually, you, you've been on the higher side chats before. I was listening to their uh, like sort of bonus show. So they had someone call in and they were just mentioning, oh yeah, great, great documentary filmmakers. And they mentioned you. And I'm, I'm walking down the street. I, I think I was actually going to work. And I just suddenly got the thing like, you should invite this guy. So I did that. I looked up the film, Twilight Archons. I'm like, okay, that sounds interesting. I invited you. You accept it like a day or two later, right? I'm like, what did I actually get myself into? You know, like I, I try to keep this like entertaining. I don't want to get like too deep into the weird, you know, like I don't want to like piss people off. I want to have some fun here, right? But, um, you know, I watched the film. I, I, I looked it up. It's like, it's about money, you know, the, the false truth of money and consciousness. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm down with that. I watched the film. I, I like the film a lot. And then I went back, uh, you, you were on Tinfoil Hat recently. Yes, yes. I listened to it recently, uh, regularly. I actually skipped your episode. It said, like, money is made out of thin air, right? I'm like, eh, money, I don't, whatever. I'm, I don't, I don't want to do that now. But I went back and listened to it. It was a very good episode, by the way. Um, it's just my apathy towards money. I enjoyed that. And then I went back to the higher side one. And, and here's the kicker. I listened to that, and I was like, oh, I have listened to this before. And after <laughs> I listened to that... I actually did watch the three hour 21 faces of God documentary. And, and like a week after listening to that, I, you know, I ordered this guy. So 
I'm like, okay, that's you why I'm forgotten. Uh, you've forgotten who it was. I see what you right, right. Yeah. yeah, I was like, actually, oh, okay, it's it's real good. I did invite you because, um, you know, the you know, well, you you did bring the tarot into my life. Well, we'll be talking more about, I guess, money and consciousness today. But I was like, you know, it's just weird. Like, I got that sudden urge to do the invite, and and once I'd worked it all out, I'm like, oh yeah, this actually makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> Well, the point is, when you do hear that little voice just saying, do it, sometimes you should. I mean, you're in Tunis or in Tunisia. I'm in 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 Japan. I mean, I think both of us must have heard the uh, the call to just go do it at some point. So and actually, I had given up doing a podcast Uh, like I I did a promotion, you know, like maybe two months on the film. Like I did a bunch of podcasts on it and then I just kind of gave it up. I even left and made a Twitter post saying, all right, I'm, I'm out. I've, I've talked enough. But for some reason, I decided to do this because you came from the film part. And one thing about a lot of the podcasts I've done, people aren't that knowledgeable on film. And if you've watched the 21 Faces of God, you know what a film nut I am. <laughs> I love yeah. film. <laughs> so it's nice to talk to somebody who understands films, you know. Because there's a lot of references in that film. And also in this film, there's a lot of interesting film references. Yeah, just, I mean, just on the film aspect, um, you, you start off with a, a clip from The Joker, which I started watching that and I put in my notes, I'm just, every time I see The Joker, I, it, it could be the best movie ever. I don't know, but I can't get through 10 minutes without just being like, I want to put on Taxi Driver instead. So uh, that, that's my own personal issue, I guess. Um, I, I put somewhere near the end, I, I do need to return to the international um, the first time I watched, it, I was like, "There's a lot of financial stuff here, you know." And uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's a terrible film. The international, it's <laughs> yeah, horrible. But Tom Talker me... made um, Cloud Atlas, the the one that Kieslowski wrote. What was it about heaven? You know, the woman who's the terrorist. Oh, maybe you're getting me on a different. One. I'm thinking Cloud Atlas. He made that one with the uh, Wachowskis, which which. Uh, Talk about recently <laughs> yeah this was made by i believe it's talk tom talker directed the international oh he, he directed kieslowski's last script oh okay okay yeah and did he do run lola run i think he might have yes. done that too yeah yeah okay there I we go he did that now okay um so. and so so when i i like that that film because it's a kieslowski script i mean i always when i watched it i was like geez I, if kieslowski had made this what would it have looked like so I went and watched the international. It's it's very flawed, but that one scene I used I thought was pretty cool. When the banker kind of spills the beans, oh, I, I really I was watching that film going, eh, and then I saw this. I was like, I gotta use this clip. <laughs> okay, the the clip's good. It made me think I needed to watch the film again, but maybe I'll just take your word on that. So <laughs> yeah, I, the end is horrible. It's like they totally just went off the rails. It's a shame. But- that is our modern sort of, you know, speech, right? I mean, we, we speak through films. I know when I was in high school, it was the 90s. And uh, yeah. I, I remember for a year or two, us, me and my, my guy friends, at least, almost like exclusively speaking to ourselves in Simpson references. And if you didn't know The Simpsons, you'd have no clue what we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. Um, what did I use? I used an Apocalypse Now quote the other day. And... And it was so strange with a lot of like Gen Z millennial types and just went, you know? Yeah. I recently at my Terminate, job, you know, remember that line where it says terminate his command. And then, and then um, the CIA guy says terminate with extreme, disc- what is it, extreme discretion or something. Yeah, that's right. It, we could use that term all the time. And everyone was like, what is he talking about? 
<laughs> but uh yeah I, I one one thing and and i just did a podcast on here about a star trek episode even though i have a sci-fi podcast and uh you know at, at my work i've suddenly become the old guy i'm 42 right so a year ago there were there was a dude like three years younger than me there's a guy a little bit older than me but now it's like i'm 42 and everyone else is like 30 or under so the, the, the kids yeah. don't get the trek except for the guy I do the sci-fi uh, podcast with. But uh, What was your Star Trek main? What was the one that really got you? It's, it's hard for me to say if I'm a, a like original series or um, TNG guy, because my dad had me at three years old staring at the 60s episodes, right? I remember oh, coming to him as a five years old because they had a promo just on the, the UHF station. Like we're, we're showing Star Trek this fall. And I was like, hey, dad, there's new Star Trek. He's like, that's not new Star Trek. You know, two years later, there was new Star Trek. That, that was TNG, right? So same with me. See, I, I watched on UHF all the old ones. And then when, when New Generation came, I just loved it. I was totally into that series. So, I, I guess it's like it's hard for me to choose between the two, but obviously it'd be better to uh, serve on Picard ship because he's not going to get you killed quite as quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, cool. yeah, looking at your film, um, so I, I, I think you said you looked at my notes, and I, I went in there several times just talking about how much, like. I just don't understand money. I'm, I understand like what's no. in my pocket and it can buy things. You know, I understand if someone hands me like a whole lot of money, like the next week, I'm probably going to have like a Fender Telecaster or something. I mean, <laughs> you know, that, that, that's all I really understand. So it's like, am I, am I just lazy? Am I stupid? Or am I just not like buying into the trap? I don't even know. No, no, not, not at all. And like, like I've told them, I've told the story a million times, but I think it's worth telling it again. I was working at a French bank in the marketing department and I didn't understand money. I didn't know how it was created, but I started asking questions because um, I worked in marketing. So we have an acquisition cost per loan and I was looking at the margin on the loan and I'm like, we're losing money. And it took me years of asking, asking, looking to finally understand what it is. And so it's not at all simple. People who work in banks don't understand what money is. So it, but I think it's curious that it's something we all want. I mean, sex and money are probably up there, one and two, no? But we all know what sex is. You know, you don't have to explain it to anybody. <laughs> but we all want money, but we don't really, at its core, understand it. And I think that's curious. And that's why I put it in the film, because it's there's a mysterious element to it. And I guess I'm cheating. I just told you I listened to one of your recent podcasts where it's basically, uh, you know, we always say time is money, money's work. But uh, excuse me, I just said it, money is work, didn't I? <laughs> I, yeah, I missed yeah, up yeah. a little metaphor. Just fill the beans on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it, I guess once you know it, it's, it's hard to uh, talk in the other speak. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it is curious that, that it's, and if you're, if you ever, have you ever spent any time looking into alchemy? A little bit. I, I guess uh, for me, it's more like meditation, inner work. I, I bought in pretty quickly to like, I don't want to mess with chemicals. And, you know, I, I did photography a lot in high school. Right. So I, I, I burned my hands plenty, plenty there. I wasn't really too game to start uh, exploding myself. But I'm like, OK, I can alchemize myself, maybe. And uh, so far, the I, I said this on a cast a few weeks ago. I was like, oh, yeah, my life's so much better now. But I'm like, well, actually, I have the same job i actually have a few things in my recent past that sound quite horrible but 
I'm like, oh, things are so much better now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's what, in a sense, medieval alchemy was. It was an inner transformation. When Carl Jung understood that, those late books by Jung were all about how alchemy is sort of, it took the Gnostic myth and modernized it. And for him, it was a major insight. But there is some connection between that idea of alchemy, of lead to gold, and this thing we have with money. There's some weird connection. That's why I put it in the film and put it next to consciousness. It's like when we understand one, maybe it'll help us understand the other, you know? And, and I it's guess like the shadow play, side. Yeah, to, to play the game well, um, we're like, oh, save the money. Um, I, I actually do have my... It's, it's not my mattress that I embraced in my house, but I, I do have my little stash of whatever, just, just for what, basically just it's there, right? But, <laughs> you know, it's like when you do have the money, it's like it seems, you know, use it because if you keep it, it's just paper anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's literally paper. That's, that's all it is. Just We're an Aust IOU. Aust Australia, it's uh, plastic, it I guess. But <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been to Vietnam? You know what? Everyone in this house has, except for me. Oh, my daughter hasn't either. But uh, my, my father-in-law actually worked. Uh, he was transferred there for a few years. So, And it was before I met my wife, but they all visited. So they all have this Vietnam experience, and, and I don't. I'm from, I'm from Atlanta. We have a very large Vietnamese community, and I've uh, spent quite a bit of time in fuzz shops. But, uh, yeah, I haven't been to the country itself. <laughs> oh, man, I love this. Yeah, they have the most bizarre money. It's, you know, it's like, I think it was 20,000 something, but I mean, you could be a millionaire with a hundred bucks. So you got like a million dollars, but I remember it was like this weird plasticky stuff that you could use in the, stick it in the lotion. Yeah. It was strange. Anyway, you know, just a random. <laughs> um, so just, this is changed tracks a little bit. I'm, I'm a guy, I'm American sitting here in Japan, but I, I am curious how, how you did end up in Tunis. Oh God. How did I wind up in Tunis? So I was living in Andorra. I was working online. Andorra is this weird little country between France and Spain. And I was really going bonkers. So I, I wanted to move to Barcelona. So I applied to a job in Barcelona and they said, no, but we have an opening in Tunis. So I said, okay, let me go. And I won. That's basically how I got there. Sheer luck. No yeah, same. yeah, it's it's sort of like I ended up in Japan, just like I, I worked after I finished, uh, finished university, I worked a little bit away from home. I worked a little bit farther, a little bit farther. It's like, eh, why not Japan next? And are you teaching or? That's right. Um, I, I I do teach English. It's it's not quite the uh, normal conversational English school. It's it's more like a you know high school, junior high, and elementary oh. like like the cram school, right? But uh, <laughs> right, right. On the plus side, I, I do something that a lot of foreigners in Japan have trouble getting is a permanent contract. So that was sort of the. Uh, the big thing for me, for me, like I don't really need to think about the next year and the next year. Um, you know, my, money right. again. They they send me the paycheck. I, you know, I try to make the most out of my day. I, I commute longer than I should. I actually walk extra train stations. Uh, I, I do a walking meditation. I listen to some podcast. I get exercise. My lunch break. My school's within. I, I, there's about five different temples nearby, so I usually just go there and do like kind of a Zen meditation and. You know, uh, cool. going home to do the same thing. I'll stop one or two stations early just to walk, you know, listen, uh, to some podcasts, you know, maybe count out my steps for a while, that sort of thing. So, yeah. you know, I mean, they get my time. I, 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 I work hard, uh, especially on a Saturday where I'm, I'll go like six straight hours without 
giving a thought to myself. But, uh, you know, <laughs> when I do have time to myself, it's, it's my time and I'll use it, you know, how best I see fit, I guess. Ah, so you got really into the whole Zen tradition. You know what? It's weird. Um, it's more like I got into the temples. <laughs> you know, oh, most okay. of my actual meditations I got from uh, uh, just, you know, I might read like a book where most of it sounds mostly insane. It's, it's fun to read, but it's, it's, it's out there. I mean, hey, it could be all true. I don't know. But then they mention a few meditations. I cobbled together some of those, made it, made it myself. Um, something that's fun last year, I actually got um, not kicked off, but at least uh, bugged on the back steps of Zen Koji, a major Zen temple in Japan. I'm like, I'm actually, they're like, you can't sleep here. I'm like, I'm, I'm actually doing a Zen meditation <laughs> or at least my Zen, but uh, <laughs> it, ha it had a procedure and all of that, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. I got really into uh, to Zen for a while, um, especially those books by Suzuki, DT Suzuki. I remember when I first found those, I don't know, it was like a late teen, teens. Found it fascinating. I, I guess. Um, I guess. What What was your trip in that sort of thing? For me, um, uh, this was an earlier episode on this podcast. I, I I live in Japan. There's, you know, we don't. You don't do drugs here. It's just like if it's illegal, it's just, it's not on the table at all. You don't do it. So I'm like, but I, I want to have oh, a really? psychedelic. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's McCartney, right? He what spent a week in jail for having a bag of marijuana, right? <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, that's still true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wing. It was like 1981, and Wings came to uh, Japan, and he just had a little bit on him, and they put Paul McCartney in, in you know, jail for a week, and, to, and then deported him for the next two decades. A week. A week. It was. I, I, I don't know exactly. But, yeah, yeah. It was. It was like like six to eight days, something like that. It, it wasn't like a nothing, <laughs> right? So you don't right, do right. Japan. They have no moral compunction. It's just. If it's illegal, it's illegal. You don't do it. So, you know, I'm a, I'm an expat. I live here. I, I, you know, need to follow the rules of my rules. host country. <laughs> but, you know, like like me getting into meditation things was like learning. Oh, we have DMT in our heads. How can I get to use that? So I'm just like, I want to trip out, you know, and, you know, <laughs> within a few years, I'm learning Zen meditation. But uh, I will say in the mornings, especially uh, the daytime through Zen meditation, the mornings, you wake up, you maybe can get into the lucid dream state or something. And, and that is about as, I mean, that's more psychedelic than, you know, most drugs you could get your hands on anyway. So. And I, I you spoke with Rick Strassman, I saw, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, that was what, that was where I went. I was like, Oh, DMT in the head. Let's, let's talk, you know, I mean, years ago, I read the book, watched the documentary. And when I started getting guests on this show, one of the first thoughts was, Oh, I should see if I could, get to talk to him about it so that that was kind of cool <laughs> you've never but you've never done dmt oh well i've done the dmt and the pineal man but no i haven't, uh, I, haven't I haven't done dmt <laughs> okay, okay. now i had a bizarre experience with dmt because i always wanted to do it and i was a big terrence mckenna nut and, and when i was listening i was listening to joe rogan talk about it one day and i was like i've got to do this and i was living in andorra i had a week vacation i checked and there was a retreat in barcelona it's like a two-hour bus ride and when i remember when i was on the ayahuasca trip before the dmt i kept thinking about no this was in the dmt trip right i kept thinking oh my god rogan rogan isn't real it's just this projection that got me here. It was so bizarre that that all got twisted into the trip. That that is Great. that is what they do, isn't it? <laughs> Haven't having, having yeah, a, yeah. done that particular one, but uh, 
but I, I, I guess, you know, just talking about your documentaries, just so many things to get your mind on and 90% of people have their mind just fixated on that next paycheck. Um, I mean, I've gotten to the point yeah. where I, I, I assume it's there, but I, I don't even check my statements anymore because I just don't care. And in the film, I, tr I think I try and make the point that it's I use the money not as as a metaphor for what maybe consciousness is. We think money is one thing. It's really another. And if you think about who you are, who, because they tell us this is what you are and what you really are, that's, that's what I tried to do. Most people don't understand money. And when you explain it to them, they don't believe you. <clears throat> no, it's true. I'm like, what do you mean it's, it's not real? Well, it's not, you know, when you, so when they understand exactly what it is, there's an insight. And I think on the consciousness level, it's the same thing. We all think we're one thing. And then there's that moment when you go, wait, is it possible that what I've been told isn't true? So that's really where I use the money in the film. It's kind of a little bit of a trick, but I, I hope it worked that people see, ah, right, right. It, it, do you see what I mean towards the end of the film? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it just get, the trap is so enticing because, well, you, you know, uh, again, you show on television, you flash the, your nice new refrigerator. For me, I, I, as I mentioned earlier, you, you flash that nice guitar. I'm like, oh, yeah, I need the money. But, you know, there's so many other things. I mean, how many satisfying moments of your life are coming from having a wad of cash in your hand? The most cash I ever had in my hand was handed to me by a manager who actually was paying me cash on the barrel head. I could have run away with uh, what he handed. It's like six thousand bucks. He wanted me to just go deposit. But I, I did that. I'm, you know, I'm not going to. Well, my friends worked there, too. But just like that's the most cash I've had in my hand. It, it was in my hand. I was I was the delivery boy in that case. Yeah, and, and when we understand this, when we say, okay, it's work and it's a, a promise of future work <coughs> based on all kinds of assets, I do ask one of the questions. And I think the world today, there's a lot of social upheaval in the world. People are, it's just an unease, a general unease. And I think to get out of this unease, one of the things that's going to have to be resolved is this money issue. And one of the things I don't try and give lots of solutions in the film. But one of the solutions I do say is if money is work, what about the work of a mother raising a child? Why does that have no value in our society? In fact, she has to pay to raise the child. <laughs> so you, you take a child, you educate him, give him value, language, give all these things to the child, and you pay to do that. But what, what if we valued that work? it would fundamentally change what money is because all of a sudden she would be receiving pay money for her work. Is that work, does that work have value? I think so. <laughs> it's pretty valuable work. Uh, I'll take example. it a step on more though. You know, I'm married. I got a kid, just, just one kid, you know, or, or I, I got a, um, you know, I, I got a friend. He's got two kids real close to each other. It's, it's nutso time all the time. Right. But, yeah. Other than that, not getting paid, there's the this you know the psychic stress, the, the mental stress on the mother. Yeah. That's intense, especially oh if when you're not paying them for doing that. It, it can you know if they have a job as well, maybe it's a single mother. The psychic stress is like just that much more. I mean, it's like 
pay them a separate salary for that as well. Yeah, and I know this this isn't very woke, but let's face it, women when when we have children, generally women get the bulk of the work. It just happens. It's just the way it works. I mean, no matter where you go, that's what you see. So why can't we just accept? And from a career standpoint, look what happens to women's careers when they have children. It, you know, it there's a so when you look at the pay gap has a lot to do with that period of having children. They lose out that time. So why don't we say, look, a woman has the child. We created an asset. So when the child is born, you could create $2 million, for example, put it in an account and it's paid out to the mother. She can do what she wants with it. Imagine she says, I don't want to work. I want my husband to take care of the kid. Fine. Or my boyfriend, whoever it is. Let her decide. But think about how that would change our, our values but one layer right. is we, we all get the uh, the need I need and I have this as well. I need to get out in the world and, you know, make my own my own claim or whatever. So at this point in time, I actually live in a, a pretty generational household. Of course, there's practical things. But now I'm like, wow, I, I you know, I'm very happy with how my daughter's growing up so far. Right. Um, you know, my I live with my wife and my, my daughter and her parents actually live here too. Uh, there is a family house in the countryside where there's a little detox space. If someone needs to go over there or they, they do the farming there, you know, my, my wife's sister and her family lives, you know, just like a mile down the street. So um, that support system is also important. And, and I know, especially in America, just from people I see on Facebook, nobody has that support system. You're supposed to get as far away as your family from your family as you can and you know lay your claim and and be your own man but there's so much more just from having a family it's like you, you don't need all that money you need to have like a support system you know i lived in china for almost two years and um it was incredible how the families really supported the the young children because in china i mean it's really hard to survive on one salary so just about everybody you have, you know, both parents work, work really hard. And without the grandparents, it would be impossible. So I often think about it from an American standpoint. I'm like, God, how do American women do this without in general, that support of four grandparents. So in China, you've generally got four grandparents supporting the one grandchild. So there's always a way there's always, I mean, that's a lot of support for a child. And in the States, we don't have that. So something else, at least in, in Japan, a little, a little bit along those lines is um, it's, it's pretty common that a couple, a new couple will actually build their house next to one of their parents house, you know, like they do have that own space, but they're still like keeping things in one place. It, it probably also helps in Japan. Um, people don't want to live in a house that someone lived in before, you know, I, I mean, you call it the Chinese feng shui thing or just this idea that, you know, this family's lived here and their their essence is here. So from the Japanese right. perspective, it's better to tear down the older house and just build a new one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. It's interesting. In Tunisia, what they do is you know, more middle class families, people with a little bit more money will build a house. And then when the they'll often build a second floor on the house. And so it's, it's almost general. You can have like the, it's sometimes a third floor. So you could have like the grandparents on the third floor, the parents on the second floor. It's kind of cool where you have you'll have really three generations living, but with separate entrances. You know, so it's it's pretty common, especially like in middle class families where you have some money and some land. You know? 
Right. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to uh, get my, my closest, you know, connection to, to where you are. Um, I think it was 20 years ago. I, I just took a trip to um, uh, Portugal, Spain, Morocco. So I, I guess yeah. whenever, whenever you're mentioned, you know, uh, where you are, I'm, I'm basically like putting Fez Morocco as my mental picture. I, <laughs> Were you in Tangier? In Tangier, Morocco? It's a little bit more like that, right on the coast. Oh, okay. Gotcha. We, we did that. You know, the idea was to... Yeah. Uh, Get, my my dad had served in the navy like in the early 70s he'd been in i think he was actually in rabat but uh yeah he was basically yeah get out tangier as quickly as you can and then then go somewhere else and we, and we went to fez so and, and ta yeah tangier is a wild ride I'll, I'll definitely say it was fun but yeah you know like i think we like either got swindled or just avoided being swindled about three or four times whereas fez was was great everything there was on the up and up like after tangier you know uh we got a someone offered us something oh they're off as a restaurant like oh we'll show you a good restaurant is and we were kind of wondering if they were leading us into a back alley but i'm guessing they were leading us to their like uncle's restaurant or anything but that's fine that's that's mutual help so so sure yeah but tangier has that yeah i remember that element. but tangier has remember it has like an italian quarter there's like a french quarter so it's kind of a weird Mediterranean mix. That's the way Tunis is. Yeah, yeah. I just got I have my blur vision going going through a taxi through Tangier. Again, the goal sharing the taxi, of course, right? <laughs> um, we got in the ferry. We we got a taxi. Uh, we got on a train. We're like we're just by the the regular ticket where we were on a a overnight train with uh chickens and donkeys that was pretty wild that that's the only only night i think i actually slept with literally slept with one eye open more because i was afraid like a donkey was gonna like lick me or something but uh <laughs> and then you know getting disposed at the fez train station at like 4 30 in the morning because my, my girlfriend at the time she was like well you know in europe they'll they'll stop the train for a few hours and then you'll show up at your destination at a reasonable time but we we ended up at Fez at four thirty in the morning, sitting in a coffee shop for three hours oh. and talking to someone. So what, whatever that experience is actually quite worth it anyway. Um, you know, a, yeah. a nice comfortable trip there wouldn't have been the thing. You you need the journey, right? Exactly, exactly. You have a little bit of adventure. Something I was noticing actually watching this is I, I I've read a lot of Joseph Joseph Campbell, but I think this is the first time I've actually like heard him talk. <laughs> Oh, so you never saw the famous Bill Moyers interviews? No, I've read all the books, but I haven't. Yeah, I haven't seen the interviews. So at first, I was oh, like, "Who is this really, guy?" <laughs> you should go check out the Bill Moyers uh, PBS interviews from the mid '80s. Yeah, I have heard. I think I there's a book based on those, right? Yes, that was a lot because what happened was, you know, Campbell's story a little bit, right? That he was a professor for a long time. Um, never got his PhD, actually. He was just really a, technically a lecturer. Then he gave it up and did sort of like a speaking tour, went to Esalen. You know, he, he kind of became sort of a popular um, intellectual. And then he got cancer. And before he died, he wanted to do that interview. Moyers wanted to do that interview with him. So it's really the last year of his life. Okay. And there's a it. book. It's really interesting. I, I think I should watch that. I, I have read the book of that, but yeah. Um, another one I just mentioned was, um, I, I think, did you mention a Jeddah Krishnamurti in your, in your documentary or my, which one, which one, the, uh, which Krishnamurti, uh, Jeddhu Krishnamurti, that, that he's the, the one from the, um, the theosophy one. 
Right, right. Anyway, um, he's the one. He has very strict sayings, you know. Um, and I remember talking to a friend about him, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, he sounds so like kind of affluent and hoity, and you know, the way he talks." I'm like, "Oh, I've only read his books." <laughs> you know, he'd he'd watch the videos of him, right? And uh, and seeing that, I, I should mention just for fun. I saved this this from the the dump since we've been talking. I saved this from the dumpster last week. The the portable young, you know, oh, wow. uh, by Joseph Campbell. <laughs> That's excellent. You found it, it in the dumpster. Well, it it was the family house dumpster. I also saved uh, what the Cookie Monster puppet and a uh, Lotso Bear. Oh. So yeah, they were they were doing spring cleaning, but they they went a little too heavy on on things. So you you don't throw That's away nice. you don't throw you away don't the young throw, book. That's edited and it's edited by Campbell, right? Yeah, yeah. So just two things we've mentioned so far. Um, something I want to try just just for fun to see how the topic goes uh, in honor of the, the 21 faces of God and so forth is um, I'll, I'll say I I guess I cleared the cards by by playing along with good vibrations and then one of my own songs, too, um, <laughs> before we did it. So I'm just going to flash a card. And in terms of, of the documentary, let's let's see what that what that brings about i'll flash the card in the screen and i have no clue what it is or if it's upside down or right or you know right but okay what do we have, we have yeah 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 so i guess i'm just going to get real zen and say does that make you think of anything <laughs> yeah yeah the king of pentacles I, when i think of the kill, king of pentacles it's i think of a man who it's it's definitely a masculine card, but it has a, a touch of a feminine quality to it. Is is somebody? It's it's luxury. It's it's uh, abundance. Okay, it's, that that's it's that a good could, feeling. It's a nice. It's a it's a feeling when when you can kind of re sit back, relax. It's not the active male energy. It's sort of the relaxed male energy. It's a nice okay. card. It always I makes should, me. That's a it's a good card. I I should hope that's what we're doing now so um that's fun let's, let's try one more just for fun and, and when teaching by the way I, I tend to use cards a lot i use, I use reg, regular playing cards i'll do like blackjack and like this mm -hmm. is how this decides which student is asking a question or whose turn it is that's, that's all i'm doing i, I did it because i had students that were so quiet i was like doing this like chills them out and makes them a little happier to talk so uh you, you've been very talkative and very fun to talk to but it, it's still kind of a, a fun way to go about it so let's, yeah. let's see what comes up let's do one more and see what comes up ah you got the queen of pentacles interesting that's the out? next one okay because it was from a completely different part of the deck <laughs> and, that's and a happy marriage well. okay that's so. definitely a happy marriage Okay, that's cool. You got the I, king I, and the queen of pentacles. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I came up with this too. So, I actually I, I don't do tarot readings that much because the last one I did for someone, and I'm not, I don't do them professionally. I'll, I'll pull out the instruction and just go pouring through them. You know, I, it doesn't look like I know what I'm doing at all. But uh, the last one I did just just for my coworker turned out to be like way too accurate. <laughs> so really, yeah, yeah. Um, we did it. It was like last June, I think. And okay, I, I had a bout with cancer last year. I, I had like lymphoma in the face, stage one, not too bad. It was like the Disney ride version. Like I had to go in the hospital for a few weeks, but I never really felt particularly bad. Right? He got hit oh, harder than me. He got hit harder than me, and with the same thing. Like two weeks later, it's like insane. So <laughs> that's 
that's weird, isn't it? Totally weird. Yeah. And and I'm I'm going to his house tomorrow. I'm actually going to do a few episodes of this podcast with him. He's doing better now. But it, it, I gave him this reading and it, and we were like, it was supposed to be for him. And we we're like, oh, is it for COVID? There's like the sickness and you come out at the end. And and it's like, it seems like maybe it's just COVID. Maybe I got it like too broad. But then it's like almost it's a year later. I'm like, wow, that was kind of weird. <laughs> so but one thing is I, I don't I feel like the tarot, one of the reasons I'm flashing you cards here is, is I feel like it's better for not predicting the future so much as just uh, opening different you know pathways of the mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when, you know, when people come to me, I won't do general readings for people because you can really mess with people's minds. And, and this is own. not woo-woo. This is just basic psychology. You can get a horrible reading and the person's like, oh my God, what's going to happen? So I like to give people a choice, you know? But the key to tarot, I think, is, look, if you could predict the future with tarot, I would be on some island in the Caribbean, you know. You can't do it. It, it doesn't happen that way. What it does is it flashes stuff to you. Like, like with, with your friends, you know what I mean? It's just like it gives you these flashes. And those synchronicities are what... Jung once asked that. One definition he gave of God was the synchronicities in life, the meaningful coincidences. And sometimes when you're reading, you get more than the, the person who's acquiring because you see those flashes and it's just wild. No, it, it gives you this, this strange connection to things. And it's really always about the moment. Yeah, I mean, and it never answers the question directly, ever. That's kind of why I started off by telling you how I invited you to this, because it was just so many weird synchronicities and just a sudden flash. Oh, why don't we do this and see what happens? You know, I mean, that, that's as efficient. Um, of course, in, you know, in the, in the East here, we have the, the I Ching. So um, that, that's a, of yeah. course a fun one as well. And um, I, I'll throw this one at you if you've heard of this. Uh, I, I like to make music. And um, there's a musician, Brian Eno. Sure. And, uh, yeah. he, he made his uh, oblique strategies cards. The idea being it's kind of like an I Ching. You just flip. Mm -hmm. Actually, I'll grab my phone. So um, the idea is you're, you're making a song. If you're like Brian Eno, you, you have no clue what you're going to get in the end. You just start working on it. So doesn't he have that weird air album airport where it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, ambient? Yeah. Ambient music. Yeah. So that that's yeah, and he he did albums with uh, David Bowie this way. So I, I got the, I got an app on my phone, right? I don't have the cards itself because well, they're expensive. I live in Japan, so let's say I'm making a song. I, I go to this. It gives me an instruction. Let let's just take it. Let's say podcaster music. What is our next instruction? Make a sudden, destructive, unpredictable action in corporate. Ah, that's the best I had. Okay. <laughs> You know, <laughs> but yeah, uh, and you write music that way. Well, in terms of music, I had a song I hadn't added the bass yet, so I decided to use that. It said, "Play something simple." So I made the bass line just one note, rhythmically interesting, but just one note through the whole thing. You know, did I make a bad track? I don't know. That's not for me to decide. But the creation of it, th there's your alchemy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, there's a famous atonal. A composer who actually composed an entire the whole thing was done that way purely random 
Yeah, there, uh, I, I, I'm not sure if I'm getting the right one. There's a Schoenberg's uh, 12 tone. The idea is you have 12 notes on a scale. You have to use every note before you can return to the next one. Maybe that, maybe that's what, yeah, that was because I remember you listening to that. I had from I'm, honestly, you know, that music for me is hard to listen to. It gives me like it makes my brain. But I know a lot of great musicians are really into that stuff. But for me, it's difficult to listen to. No, I think I, it's more of an intellectual exercise when you really understand music. Then you see it means more to somebody who really understands. I don't have that deep understanding. So I yeah, I, I don't like Schoenberg, to be perfectly honest. I, I appreciate that. And, and uh, I do. OK, there's one time in life I definitely always use uh, Schoenberg, which is a uh, group singing of the happy birthday song. I won't sing it here. I won't sing it here because it's it's copyrighted. But when everyone is singing happy birthday, I will just sing half. Uh, well, I can do it because I sing random notes. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. You know, I'll just like sing random because no one notices. I can sing well, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm hitting the notes, but I'm just like, I'm, I'm yeah, I just bounce around. And occasionally someone actually notices I'm doing that. <laughs> what are you doing? But uh, that that's the way I sing the birthday song. Uh, for me, a lot more resonant is, uh, you know, getting towards that that ohm sound. There's a uh, Steve Reich doing minimalist music, uh, Philip Glass, like like yeah. it's it's way more mineral. It's minimalist, may, way more repetitive. But so is, you know, a, a chant or a drum beat. So yeah, even yeah, Beethoven, sure. one of the weird, you know, Beethoven, like classical, right? Like totally you know, classicist, all that. But one weird thing about Beethoven is he gets away with repeating things way more than any good composer should get away with he'll go like 34 bars of the same thing maybe he changes an accent but like that it, that's technically bad writing but in his case it's it's genius and it's transcendent yeah i have noticed that sometimes the bits of them are like wow man he's really sticking to the theme here you know it's not uh and if someone needs something just to go straight for that, uh, go for the Pastoral Symphony of the Six, where he just he literally goes two minutes just with nothing changing. It's just a it's just a river going down the stream, you know, a river going down the stream. That doesn't make I personally sense. and I'm again, I'm not an expert on music, but for me, Bach is aged better than Beethoven. I well, think I I. Before I play good vibrations, I'm also a cellist, and I did I did get through the first uh, cello suite <laughs> before oh, our podcast. So um, I only didn't play the second because it's kind of a humid day here, and the the cello just wasn't working out well with the atmospherics, and my hand was hurting a little. And so okay, the first one's fine for today. I'll do the second and third tomorrow, maybe. But uh, yeah, yeah, Bach is the weird thing. Um, I, I, again, I know you're saying you're not, not a music guy, but um, you know, Bach is all intellectual it's intellectual like reaching for the transcendent but his own he gets there i think sometimes he gets there oh he gets there sometimes did but, you notice i use the cantata i use that cantata for uh in the scene where the guy's going into the cement i'm pretty sure i made a note about that somewhere i think it probably said something like i played the cello as, as, as he comes down into the cement it's that famous cantata i've had enough yeah yeah so yeah that's uh that's warren hunt She's a Canadian soprano. It's, it's that when you listen to that, it's absolutely it's just wow. Yeah. So you know, good. When I finally got to his cantatas later on, I remember thinking, "Oh my God, this guy wrote three hundred and fifty of these." <laughs> well, it was, his, it, was a, it was his day to day. It was his nine to five, wasn't it? <laughs> 
And I think half of them are lost, got burned or something. But when you think about the his, how much music he made and the quality of it. And you know what's interesting about him was for a long time, they considered him the... Um, of the box, he was the one who was the performer, and the son was the composer. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was a hundred years after he died before he really got to be known. Uh, Mendelssohn did yeah. some of his works, but um, kind of the other side of coin. So, so yeah, that perfect bop, bop, bop music, Bach music is absolute perfection, right? But none of his personalities really in there. You know, he was he was stumbling around with gout yeah. in his later years, I and mean, he was a grumpy dude. Uh, Beethoven's personality, especially in his later periods, so he started off like you know at his most depressing point in life. He did the Second Symphony, which is like super happy. He was about to kill himself. He has a super happy symphony for you, but uh, you know, when, once we get along, the, the the big revolution with him is he felt the need to put his own personality in the music, which at the time was unprecedented. And it's good to mention Bach because was that a bad decision? Is it better to uh, express yourself or reach for the transcendent, you know? Yeah, it's like, you know, the it's like the bat flip, you know, Beethoven started bat with the bat flip. You know what I mean? It's like, um, yeah, it's because when you think about that romantic period, it really does begin with the end of Beethoven. though. Some of it. Yeah. So when, sometimes when I get into when I get in one of those Beethoven moods, I almost feel like I'm being a little self-indulgent. Did you ever get that feeling sometimes with Beethoven? You're like, is this getting, am I, am I, you know, but with Bach, I never get that feeling. Just, yeah, there's, there's famous, I think it's a Dudley Moore sketch where, you know, he's playing <laughs> piano and ends his, I, I, I wish I could plug it in here, but he just does that. He's doing the Beethoven ending and he just, it takes him like five minutes to end it, you know? So that, that is self-indulgent and it's completely accurate for a few of, of those works. But uh, j just to flip it back toward, you know, try and, twist this a little back towards your documentary Bach was super obsessed with his paycheck he wrote some like nasty notes to his employers uh, you know his employers liked him because he was artistic but they they didn't like him because he was stingy <laughs> and he got yeah. paid in beer <laughs> that was just pretty hip for a, a guy writing hymns and katadas and stuff but <laughs> but that was yeah. a man who did count his he counted his coins you know he, you know, I guess it's earlier than than the Federal Reserve sort of systems we have now, but he made sure every coin was counted and he, he used them well. And how many kids did he have? He had like what some ridiculous amount of kids. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have a number for you, but he had a lot. But but that is he was such a worldly man. You know, he had he had horrible gout. He got grumpy in his later years, you know, Um he, he you had to pay him in beer and he was going to count the rest of the coins. And at the same time, we have the most transcendent music possible. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think that we have to, especially with music, I think you have to separate, separate those two. I'm not sure how much box personality really matters. No, it, it doesn't. That's the whole point. Uh, Beethoven, too. You do not want that man over for dinner. <laughs> it's not going to be a good time, you know? Definitely um, not. No. You know, Keith Moon's going to throw your, your television out of your, your house, right? So you don't want Keith Moon over for dinner, but he's a fantastic drummer, you know? <laughs> so you do have to separate these things, um, which... Again, I love the doors, but then there's, you know, if you, if you get down all the rabbit holes, oh, his dad was Admiral Morrison, who was commander of the Bay of Tonkin. And what's going on? It's like, I still like the doors, you know? <laughs> I know, I know. And I think a lot of people, 
in certain sectors get a little carried away with that. You know, I mean, when you see, I, I tell friends of mine, if you see a conspiracy everywhere, that means there is no conspiracy, right? Yeah, it's like, again, <laughs> the whole Paul thing is a conspiracy, then there is no conspiracy. If Paul McCartney's been dead since 1966, well, I like the other guy too. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, you know, rest in peace, original Paul McCartney in that case. But hey, the other guy was pretty talented too. So I can, I can live with it. You know, it's it, again, it yeah. doesn't affect, I guess the thing to get riled up about conspiracy is does it affect my life? You know, that's the whole yeah. round earth, flat earth. It's like, yeah, it's real interesting. It's real interesting to assume maybe we've been duped, but you know, it doesn't matter to me at all. <laughs> yeah, th that is one of the most fascinating. If I was writing a PhD today, I would write it on the flat earthers because they fascinate me. They absolutely fascinate me. Yeah, I, 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 I like the monsters. I guess I'd have to go for hollow earth in the end, but yeah, yeah, the flat earth one's cool too. Do you know in the 21 faces, I use a globe. There's one thing where you, the earth becomes an eye right at the very end. And I had flat earthers saying, yeah, a great film, but uh, you know, the earth isn't round. I was like, oh, okay, okay. I mean, it's, it's like, it's, it gets that crazy. It's like, did you like the image, you know? I, I, can, I could show you like <laughs> fantasy lands and fairies and if it looks cool, we don't really have to worry about if those fairies are, are real or not. <laughs> and you never know, I was doing, uh, just a show once and we finished and the guy's like having the flat earthers and I go, yeah, aren't they bleeping out of their minds? He's like, what do you mean? <laughs> and I, it, it totally, you know, like you gotta be careful with that. But what causes that? This is what's interesting. Why do people want to reject that idea? Which the Greeks figured that out. You know, you stick a stick in the ground and you know what I mean? Greeks yeah, yeah, figured yeah. that out. So why do, why is there a need to reject it? And why are so many people attracted to it? That's what's interesting. And if you look at, for example, the whole Corona thing, and, and you look at it and you say, the scientists on one hand, have they stopped doing science and have they crossed over into dogma with Corona? On a certain level they have. There, there's a certain lack of just scientific discourse. Um, and, and there's a connection there. There's a connection there between our relationship to science, scientists, technocrats, and people's rejection of that. And there's some truth in the rejection. The thing is, when you take the myth for real, you get confused, you know? It's like yeah. eating the menu. Yeah, I mean, with, with Corona, here, here, here's my thing. Uh, one, I live in Japan where people are basically like, okay, we're going to, one, we already socially distanced except for Tokyo trains anyway. When people get sick in Japan, when they were actually sick, they would put on masks, right? Otherwise, they wouldn't. So the only real change for me has been, okay, I'm at work. They want me to wear a mask. When I walk into the store, they want me to wear a mask want me to wear a mask while well, I'm uh, walking around my rice fields from station to station, right? Uh, literally, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not going to because there's nobody around me. There's no reason to, you know, but Japan is, I think we're at 7%. percent we are really dragging our heels in Japan. Yeah, what's again, the story with that? I don't, I don't understand that. Yeah, especially with the Olympics, you'd think they'd just want right. to like, you know, start like, you know, doing like dartboards at people and uh, get it into everyone, right? <laughs> uh, they're stepping up the game now. But uh, yeah, so uh, one thing is Japan wants to make its own medicine. They don't 
they want to have their own vaccine. They don't want to use someone else's. Uh, right, like right. any medicine you get in Japan is typically the Japanese version. Like if I get aspirin, it's it's the version. Well, I actually, if I take it, I take ibuprofen, but uh, it's from the Japanese company. I, I don't get the American version here. So right, I, I think right. that's part of it, which, which I think is good. That's Japan covering itself, being like, hey, if, if, if we do make a mistake, at least it's our mistake. So... <laughs> Oh, I see. And so there's not there. I thought there was, there's not a Japanese vaccine yet. There's not. So that they're importing wow. them, but they're rolling them out real slowly. Now, that could be because of bureaucratic insanity. Japan is very good at that. It could be from, you know, the pharmaceutical companies lobbying. If, if you did want to get super conspiratorial because they know, man, which I don't I, I should mention, I my my tact is to not believe in anything you know i, I think i put that in my nose too but uh, you know i don't believe in anything i there's a few things i know and a few of those things i know are pretty wild but you know if i don't know it i i'm just not going to believe it I'll, I'll think about it that's that's why i do this podcast i can talk probably about the words. most underused phrase in the english language is i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah and, and that that is a weird thing in japan because uh you know i'm a teacher and you're you're really not supposed to say i don't know but if i don't know well, that's what i'll tell people you know so yeah. uh, i mean i teach i'm a lecturer and i i'm always trying to push them to that gray area you know i'm always like explore the gray where it's really you don't know that's where you get interesting writing interesting ideas yeah know? yeah I mean, honestly, I think this is the first on-air like vaccine conversation I've had. I've I've talked to about it like off-air, but it's like, but the point is, I mean, someone's gonna probably get annoyed because I'm like, I don't know, you know, <laughs> is it good? Is it bad? I, I, well, I don't know. I'm one. I'm not a scientist. I haven't been involved in any studies, you know. I, I have no personal knowledge of this. It could be the best thing ever, you know. It could be like the worst thing that's ever happened to us. I, I don't know. <laughs> and and that's totally where I am. And I have a necessity, like, you know, my wife needs to get this. It's going to help us with travel issues. And, you know, you ask people, what should I do? And unfortunately, most of the doctors say don't do it because of the but, cancer. Yeah. And again, that's because what I've been told. I, I, yeah. So um, at the end of the year, I think I, I have been cleared. And at that point, if everyone knows, OK, and, you know, well, yeah. maybe it's fine, you know. So uh, I, I got this selfish well, selfish by way of having cancer benefit of not having to worry about it at the moment. So again, in your case, there's the travel involved, but, uh, well, I'm, I'm only traveling in my mind, man. <laughs> and, and, and the 50 kilometers to get to work. But, uh, I, I do take, I, again, I have a long train ride, which I enjoy. That's where I read, do most of my book reading. Sometimes I, I start making music on my iPad and finish up with real instruments later, that sort of thing. So, you know, <laughs> I used to have a long commute on the trains and I still get sort of nostalgic for those hours of reading. Yeah. I, I would not be happy without my train time. I like my train time. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. You get that That's book what... and it was just like, Oh, it was great. Yeah. yeah. I, and to be honest, sometimes it's a video game, right? On my iPad, but uh, <laughs> it's often books. It's often creating, you know? So, uh, you know, again, people complain, Oh, I have this long commute. I'm like, well, I, I make I think I make the most out of my commute, uh, plus video games. So <laughs> um, I, I guess we should be wrapping up because I, I know you have some uh, some things to do and places to go. But uh, can you tell people uh, about your work and where to find it? 
Sure. If you go to thecactuslam.com, it's all there. Um, now, if anyone is interested in the 21 Faces of God, there's a small problem now that YouTube, for copyright reasons, has cut out the section on the archetypes. So I had to mute it. Um, if you really want that section, contact me and I'll just send you the link. But it's a shame because it's one of the most interesting sections in the film. It was actually the most popular section. when I, Because, you know, the film, I put it the long-form version and then the 27 sections. The section on archetypes, if you send me an email, I'll send you the link. But it got blocked, unfortunately. So. Okay, I, I had the pleasure of watching, I guess, two years ago. So I, I did see that segment. Movie. Yeah, I got that one. But if I want to rewatch it, I guess I'd, I'd need to get back to you on that. And, uh, and, and Twilight of the Archons is also hanging out on YouTube, unedited at the moment, at least. Right, right. It's still, it's still there, except, except for it's been blocked in North Korea, Iran, and Syria. Hmm, okay. <laughs> I've, I've had six videos blocked in those countries. You know what I think is happening? This is just somebody I think is buying the rights to music just in those countries, waiting for some point when those markets will open up. You see what I mean? It's like buying real estate that <laughs> for the future. It's strange, but all of these videos are getting blocked just in those countries. I don't know yeah. why. It's weird. Um, you know, I, I made lots of albums over the years and there's, there's one I actually tried to like properly like get distributed. Right. I can't use it. If I put in this podcast, we'll get, well, in the podcast, it's probably fine, but if I put it in YouTube, I'll get flagged for music that I wrote well, with my friend in Tokyo, but wrote, created, like there's no out, like played everything and I'll get flagged for it. Just, I, I sold the soul of that music, which is kind of sad. <laughs> because somebody owns the rights, right? Somebody else owns the rights to it. Yeah. Yeah. I can put it on like my band camp because I, I put that when I said it, but if I, try to use it for a video or anything i gave it to a friend once it got flagged i used it myself it got flagged i'm like so yeah for you know be careful what you do with your content i guess is the the bot be careful so what because <laughs> i i'm a prolific idiot i've probably recorded like 30 albums it's one album but it is one of my favorite ones so it's it's a bummer i can always enjoy it myself but i can't you know like share it and podcast form anymore or anything like that so <laughs> do you ever listen to rick beato's youtube channel on music uh does that have a name i think it's called rick beato or something he, he talks about he, he's a musician a producer so he'll go into why a song is great and look at the music of it yeah okay he has some great rants I and mean, just like he'll play like the harmony to a song that gets flagged and he goes nuts <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I, I should probably look into that. There's uh, sorry, th there was another one recently. It was like tonality or something that was it was kind of interesting on on those lines. I mean, I mean today, hey, the the topic was Twilight Archons, and we went on Bach and Beethoven for ten minutes, which that's cool. <laughs> that's the whole point. Of I love to talk podcast. about Bach. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the whole point of this podcast. So you know, again, I, I I reviewed a little bit of the past appearance and actually listened to the ten point one. I'm like, hey, we. We didn't repeat much material there, so uh, I, I guess that's why you came in for this uh, late, you know, late date interview. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Sometimes it's fun just to rip. You know what's going on. All right. Uh, as for this podcast, it's Arl Hygiene Pod at Twitter, Facebook, places like that. I'm 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 still old enough. I hang out on Facebook for some reason. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, uh, the music I've been making is at 
rovingsagemedia.bandcamp.com and this podcast our sci-fi podcast some other ones about like pokemon and monster hunter not not mine but if that's your bag listen to them are at a uh, podcastio podcastius uh at patreon um we do preview ones I, I i actually will be posting this raw audio up to that probably later tonight though i won't be posting the podcast itself for a few weeks so uh <laughs> anyway robert's been a uh, very groovy chatting with you this uh my evening your morning <laughs> how hot is it i really enjoyed it what, what's the temperature there oh my god today's gonna be about 32 Okay. Well, you actually, I was rocking 30 here a few days ago. So I guess it, uh, uh, humid. You have a dry one, I assume. Is it dry? Well, right? I mean, see. If I'm in Tunis, I'm right on the water. So yeah. I'm right on the water. So yeah. That, that changes it. Okay. See, uh, in Japan, I'm in the mountains, which um, I, I used to live central, like much lower uh, by sea level. And that was just like the gates of hell living there. So there was a corner on the way to work when I worked there. And I was like, this corner is, the, this must be the hottest spot on the earth. It wasn't, but it did get up to 41 summer day there, which, yeah, which, what, what, what is that? What is that for, for, for the Yankees down South? I'm from Atlanta. That would be 100? Times two plus 30 usually works. So that's okay. like 110. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm 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 up in the mountains a little now, so my summers are slightly more you know moderated, but then we get a lot more snow. But uh, we have the yeah. I gotta ask you though. So are the are the Olympics gonna go off or not? Is it gonna happen? Uh, two weeks ago, I was definitely joking to my wife. Like, when are they gonna call it off? They they seem a little more steeled now, but the uh, public opinion in Japan is going more or less against it at the moment. Public opinion doesn't wow. like it. They've had major business leaders say, "Don't do it." But now we've had, you know, Biden's like, yeah, go ahead. The, the World Health Organization's like, go ahead. Of course, the IOC wants it to happen. So I, I guess they're going to push this thing through. Um, they, they even started talking a few days ago about actually letting some domestic um, spectators come in, which was off the table a few weeks ago. So I, I don't know. Again, with, with Japan, it's hard to tell what, what they're doing or what they think here. Um, uh, I, I think, think real now, because in Europe now we've got the Eurocopa going on. Yeah, yeah. It should have been 2020, but it's going on now. That's for the countries play. It's like the World Cup just for Europe. But yeah, it's really I saw that. Here. I saw that yesterday. I was like 2020 World. Oh, what? <laughs> Isn't that weird? I know. I was looking. at It's like what? What? But they still call it for some reason. They call it 2020. But I think because that's going off in people, television wise, I think it's going to be pretty big. I think it's a good sign that the Olympics will probably. Yeah. Or they'll probably do. I, I have two cellos here. I have an acoustic one that's a loner to me and a, an electric one up here. And uh, last year when the Olympics first went off, I actually got for on sale the uh, the little mascots for the Olympics and Paralympics. And I put them onto my cello cases just because I was like, I, I want to put a lost cause on here. So, But hey, hey, maybe it's happening in the end. <laughs> yeah, it'll be cool. We'll see okay. what happens. Well, um, I, I know you have some things to do, so I will will cut you off for your time now, but it's been very groovy talk to you. And, uh, of course, people – you didn't talk about your film much, but people should watch it. And, uh, again, I told you many times I, I could barely care about money, so that, I guess, came across in our chat. <laughs>
But, uh, yeah. And just remember, the film is mostly about the other things, but that's it's a part of it, but it's not the whole thing. So. That well, it's it's the hook, isn't it? That's the hook that most yeah. people would get, and then it will lead you to those other things. Because yeah, uh, again, for me, you know, search, uh, exploring consciousness is uh, you know way more satisfying and and anything that money could be. I, I know some of the Indian masters have been like, I have my spiritual pension, I don't need money, so uh, which is a Intense thing to say, but uh, especially if you don't have food. But uh, hey, seemed to work for them. So, <laughs> okay, have a good one then. You too, man. Take it easy. See okay, bye bye. Did you advance the film strip? Are you on the final page? Well done. <laughs>